Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters podcast. My name is Oscar Way. I'm a senior economist at the California Association of Realtors. Again, along with me is uh, Jordan Levine. Hey, everyone. Hi, Jordan. We missed you. You know, for the last, what, two episodes, you haven't been yeah. able to do it with me. I know. It's good to be back. I've seen that you guys have taken care of things in my absence. I've actually been on the road meeting with our members um, all across the state. So it's been really good to get that ground level view on some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about here today. Yeah, I know you've been on the road and getting a lot of information from members, getting a lot of information probably from their clients as well. So um, can't wait to hear um, your insights about the uh, latest market update. Now, we have released, since the last time we talked about the uh, market update uh, with you on the podcast, it's probably been about a couple months or so and a lot have happened since then, right? Definitely, yeah. It hasn't been uh, just kind of status quo lately, so. Yeah, and and we just released, not just, but um, a couple weeks ago, we released our September sales number, and it's not the best number that we were hoping. I mean, we already knew that things are not the greatest for the last few months, but I was a little surprised with what's going on with the September number. Um, Just dive into it. not not a, a a surprise, like you said, we've been talking about the market shifting, but um, you know the the interesting thing, and and I think the thing that's given a lot of folks pause out there is just how it's been accelerating over the course of the last month, specifically in in September. Yeah, I mean specifically, I know we always talk about sales price and unsold inventory, but um, sales is specific. Uh, we when we look at home sales. That stood out, you know, uh, in terms of the number. We look at the uh, sales number. It's actually the lowest level that we have seen in 31 months. And last month, uh, sales actually declined significantly. Um, It's actually the largest decline since March 2014. I think it's dropped about uh, 12%, 12 12.4% or something like that. Yeah, and it's the second month, I think, in a row where we've been down below, you know, that 400,000 benchmark where we've, you know, been able to kind of sustain, even though we haven't had a lot of growth during the course of this cycle in August and September, actually dipping below the 400,000 benchmark again, I think is significant because it's the largest decline. It's the lowest level that we've seen in several years. And, uh, you know, we're even seeing that decline spread to the top end of the market, which had been kind of again, propping us up a bit as the bottom end had struggled. Now we're seeing that start to, to bleed up into the higher price categories. Yeah, and when you said, you know, the high-end market, I, I looked at the at the regional level, of course. Um, it's hard to say, you know, in the Bay Area, a million, two million plus, uh, you can't really say that's the high-end, but in reality, you know, when you look at how uh, that compared to the other part of the states, one million, two million, that's, you know, very high cost um, compared to some of the other uh, home costs in other areas. And in the Bay yeah, Area... Yeah, compared to the average income, right? I mean, that's still a, a lot of money no matter how you slice it. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, when you look at the Bay Area, um, just sales-wise, I mean, it has been growing. I mean, it has been uh, at, a, at a decent level so for San Francisco Bay Area, at least in the first uh, couple months or first few months of the year. But we started seeing uh, a little bit more decline in the last couple months, at least. Uh, last month in September, it dropped 16%, more than 16%. Um, and eight of the nine counties dropped more than 10%. That's something that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, and it's pretty broad-based. Like you said, eight out of the nine counties are down by double digits. I think that is very indicative of, of this shift that's happening because it's not just, you know, the very high-priced San Francisco, San Mateo, Santa Clara, which are down, obviously, um, but it's throughout the whole region, and and that suggests that this thing is, is broader-based because we also see it throughout the rest of the state, right? SoCal also had right. a, a big decline, I think even bigger than what we saw in the Bay Area, down over 17% last month. LA and OC specifically were down by more than 20%. And so, um, you know, kind of going along with that same theme of it being broad-based within that broader San Francisco Bay Area region, it's also something that we're seeing all the way across the state. Yeah, and, and it's it's kind of tough. Yeah, so of course, LA is a huge area. LA County is a huge area, and you know, with LA dropping twenty-two percent, twenty percent or so, that really, you know, is pretty reflective of what's going on for the state of the, as a whole. Now, um, right. I know, you know, Central Valley, of course, it's more afford, it's a more affordable region, but even Central Valley, we're seeing double-digit decline. Right, and that had been uh, an area that's been benefiting kind of from the spillover of demand from right. these more expensive areas. Uh, and so the fact that that's not the case in the last couple of months specifically is, again, I think indicative of, of how broad-based this this thing is, is that there's, I think, a lot of affordability concerns. I think there's a lot of, of concern on the parts of buyers that prices might be at a peak, and I think that's why you're seeing prices actually slow down in terms of growth, right? They're not declining, but but the growth has has definitely downshifted a bit. Yeah, people just don't want to pay that much. I mean, we know we've talked about fundamentals as far as economic fundamentals you know, seem to be doing okay. I mean, yes, we are seeing uh, some increase in interest rates, and that could uh, that increase the cost of owning a home or cost of buying a home. But still, the economic fundamentals are great. So. You know, it comes down to, you know, what we discussed before. People are not willing to pay. Of course, there is also that for uh, the affordability um, issue. But, you know, a lot of people, they don't, they're uncertain about whether the market will go down from this point, especially when you look at the price to, uh, price softening. I mean, they're still right. increasing, but price softening, people would think that, you know, they could get a better deal maybe in six months or so. Right. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, when you look at the first half of the year, we were up by eight or nine percent in terms of prices. And over the last couple of months, we've seen that decelerate such that that by the time, you know, the dust settled in September, we only saw a four point two percent increase. Now, that's nothing to sneeze at. Obviously, that's a decent return on investment, uh, but it's only about half the level of growth that we had been seeing earlier in the year. And it's not just the the fact that San Francisco is declining significantly relative to, you know, more affordable areas like the Central Valley. I think when you look at it, even on a square foot basis, it's 
it's still only going up by about you know four and a half percent and and I think that when you look at at the fact that we're seeing discounting out there again are all kind of part of this broader pattern where there's you know now a demand side issue you mentioned that folks don't want to pay too much for housing and I think that's true and I also think that you don't have as many folks who can afford housing at these mm -hmm. higher rates and so that also undermines demand. And so when you take away demand, regardless of whether it's, you know, buyers voluntarily pulling back a bit because they're concerned or um, they simply can't get into the market now at these high prices with these higher rates, either way you slice it, it, it results in this kind of slow price growth that we're seeing. Yeah, it's very different. Remember, you know, three months or maybe not three months, maybe four months ago when we when we look at um, how home prices have increased, the me statewide median price just surpassed its previous peak of what 595 or whatever it was, and and hit the 602 in I think it was May, the first month that was it surpassed its pretty, uh, previous cyclical peak, and then it surpassed it again in June. I mean, we yeah. it was a little different, you know, to me to us. We were of course we were very concerned about affordability at that time. Um, but we would we actually said something probably a little different back then, saying you know yes we're concerned you know home prices may continue to go grow at like seven or eight percent, but it just shows how fast things could change. Right. Yeah, and I think that's a, a tough thing for for the sellers out there who are trying to look at the last couple of years of really strong price growth and trying to extrapolate that that forward for where they think their house should sell at. Right. And unfortunately. Uh, this is something that we've just seen crop up over the course of the last couple of months with the discounting, with the time on market rising, and of course the softer price growth. And, and that's where you're getting this kind of gap between where sellers are at and where the buyers want to be. And uh, and I think that's why you're seeing some of that discounting. Folks are, are seeing those days on market go up and saying, why isn't my house selling? There's supposed to be all this demand and multiple offers and all this good stuff. And and really, it's something that's it's really only started to transition over the course of, like I said, the last five months or so. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's starting to get to that point in time where where, you know, you guys are going to have to start making those more difficult conversations, I think, on on the sell side, where if you want to get it moved, that that might involve some some discounting or some willingness to allow it to to be on the market uh, a bit longer. I think when we looked at the discounting, I think it was over 40% of active listings have had some so right. sort of a price reduction. And so the pressure on the sellers who haven't reduced, I think, is is mounting because that's the highest level we've seen that number in several years as well. And especially when we look at the inventory, right? I mean, inventory six months ago or last year, we... we continue to stress on inventory. Of course, don't take me wrong, inventory, as far as housing supply is concerned, you know, we're still not producing uh, as much supply as demand, but if you take a look at, you know, how inventory level has improved in the last uh, few months or so, uh, especially last month, it jumped 20% as far as, yeah, as, far as the active listing. Yeah, it's a huge increase for active listings. I mean, you just don't see 20% increases, know. you know, at least looking back over the course of the last couple of years and, and you see that showing up in the UII number with the weaker sales, right? Because we have not only more listings, but we have fewer sales and, and so that's what's behind that UII jump. Yeah, and, and you know, the 20% of course is a statewide number. I was very shocked to see that the Bay Area jumped 44% and I think I, I mentioned to you um, a couple of days ago or a few days ago 
uh, Santa Clara actually increased by more than 100%. Very shocking. Um, you, you actually questioned me whether I got the right I know. Number. I was like, go back and double check those numbers on the MLS because it's uh, it just seems like a, a big shift. I mean, we were up in the double digits, but we were talking, you know, 10, 15 percent. Um, and that's still what we're seeing throughout many other parts of the state. And so 113 percent is pretty jaw dropping for for Santa Clara. Yeah, and of course, you know, it's we're not talking about a small county. We're talking about a Santa Clara County, which is a pretty big county, and jumping by 113% is just something that I, I don't remember seeing it in the past. Right, and so I think that's why you're seeing prices grow more slowly in these, you know, markets, and I think that's something we can expect to continue. I was talking to a reporter from the San Francisco Chronicle a day or so ago, and uh and we were talking about price growth slowing. And she said, well, prices were still up, you know, roughly 10%. Uh, and I said, that's that's true. But but over the course of the last year or so, they had been growing by 15, 16, 17% in some of these counties. And so even in, in a strong market like San Francisco or Santa Clara, you're still seeing some of these trends start to play out where there's this kind of demand side issue and and we're getting the supply coming online now. But but I think we've let the, the supply crisis linger on so long that it's really eroded affordability to the point where it's now become a, a bit of a demand problem. And I think that's what you're seeing play out in these numbers. Yeah, absolutely. A demand problem is definitely, you know, the, the, the trend that we're seeing. And of course, we're only in September or the number that we're seeing in uh, our September and we will be releasing our October number very, very soon. Um, for the, for the rest of the year, for October, November and December, uh, safe to say that we do believe that the market will continue to shift and we probably will continue to see some softening in home prices, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's backed up when you look at some of these more uh, fundamental statistics. I know that you guys have finally gotten out our um, our shift report online, right. right, which is our 2018 state of the housing market report, which I you know recommend everybody go take a look at because they uh, the work that we've done on this has has really shown that that these trends are indeed um, more broad based than than what we had seen over the course of the last year or so up until about May. Yes, and the shift report, I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, the second part of the uh, the episode is about shift report. And the reason why we want to you know look at not just the current market conditions, but also the shift report is the shift report is the state of the housing market report. And it looks at the insights and the forecasts and also the trends of not just consumer, but also you know the buying and selling trends. Of course, the shift report is based on a survey of the um, the annual housing market survey. Many of the members are uh, very familiar with the survey, the uh, annual housing market survey. We send that out every second quarter of each year, and so of course, the the because it's based on the second quarter's number. Of course, the data may be a little bit um, behind, but we still want to look at you know how consumers and how the uh, buyers and sellers are reacting to the current market conditions and what their mindset is. We also have that consumer report that we talked about last episode, the uh, REACT report, but this one uh, focused specifically on the uh, second quarter 
uh, transactions. So let's take a look at uh, what happened. Now, I, I think uh, there are a couple of things. There are a few things that we want to talk about from the shift report. We obviously cannot cover everything because it's a 40-page <laughs> report, right? So, Would you guys can all get on car.org and, and really get into the nitty-gritty, and we'll probably cover more of these topics as time goes on. Absolutely. Um, just unveil some of these further trends, but out migration was one of the, th the big ones, right? And it kind of ties in with this demand issue that we've been talking about over the course of the last 15 minutes. Right. Now, you said, you know, affordability, you mentioned affordability earlier. Um, the out migration is definitely because of affordability. Um, we have hammered this issues, uh, with this problem along uh, many, many times in many of the episodes. The housing affordability um, has gone down to a level that we haven't seen for a while. And uh, that actually pushed a lot of people out, you know, from their current county. Now, for people who cannot live in L.A. County, I think you, uh, in the past, you, in, in some of your presentation, you have like a two-step um, uh, yeah. process. Yeah, exactly. And, and if people, you know, based on the, the survey study, we have 28% of the home buyers who said they cannot live in the county that they uh, they previously lived in, and they moved to their next county for the, for those home buyers because of that um, affordability issue. I mean, your two-step was what? It, um, if they cannot live in LA County, they move in Inland Empire, and then they right. move further out to other states, right? Yeah, exactly, and that's significant. You know, we talk to buyers and ask them, um, you know, where did you used to live? And the buyers in the Inland Empire, 28 you know, percent basically said that they, or folks who moved to the Inland Empire, 28% of those said it was because of uh, housing affordability. And that's up significantly from I where know. it was last year, even 21%. So that's basically one in five. Um, now we're closer to one in three are moving because of, of affordability and it's much higher than what it was before we had this real surge of price growth. I think when you go back to 2014, you know, it was only 14% of, of folks were having to move out of county for affordability issues. And that creates all kinds of these other problems that we talk about, right, in terms of traffic and congestion on roads, because most of those folks are still working in their original county, right? They went out there to become homeowners and achieve that American dream. And so you get all these other issues that crop up associated with this, in, in addition to the fact that that's kind of what's underlying the weakness in home sales in some of our core markets, right? Especially in the Bay Area and Southern California, where it's a much bigger problem even than what this statewide number suggests. Yeah, the, the, the Bay Area is 35% of those who moved out said you know, it's because of housing affordability issue. I, I kind of remember about a couple weeks ago, there was a report that was issued about, you know, how difficult a commuting is in the Bay Area. I mean, that's kind of yeah. explained, you know, if people are moving out of uh, the Bay Area, moving to, let's say, a little bit further to Sacramento or some of the other areas, of course, that's going to create a lot of commute, uh, commute issues. Right. And 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 this trend is not going to you know uh, die down very soon because uh, uh, we do expect you know a slowdown in home prices, but at the same time, you know we are expecting some increase in interest rate as well. So the affordability issue will probably continue to go on. That's right, and and, and that obviously really matters for for the first time buyers, right? And we had a decent showing last year in terms of first time buyers, uh, which is kind of surprising in light of the. Um, of the challenges, 
frankly, that we're facing in terms of rising rates and rising prices, but but the share of first-time buyers actually went up this year. Yeah, I mean, despite the fact that, you know, the housing affordability, you said earlier 28%, or I said earlier that 28% moved out, first-time buyer actually was at 49%, so it's a much, even, even a much higher level, but that did not discourage first-time buyers from uh, buying into the market, the housing market, at least in the first half of the year. Um, right. In the first half of the year, uh, about thirty-five percent of the um, first-time uh, of the sales were for, were by, uh, bought by first-time buyers. Uh, wow. It's still below the long-run average. Long-run average is thirty-seven percent, but it's still um, so it's still a high number, thirty-five, because compared to the previous year, it was only thirty-two. So, you know, it makes me wonder. Okay, while well, people are concerned about affordability, but there's still a lot of first-time buyers. Just wondering, right. you know, how they actually um, can 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 buy, you know, during this period of time, and so we ask a few questions, you know, during the survey, and um, we kind of speculated a little bit, you know, a lot of first-time buyers, of course, they um, they don't have a lot of down payment, and um, right. the affordability issues and the increase in home prices just make them um, actually put down even a smaller down payment compared to previous year. Right. And, yeah, and uh, and so you know they're they're opting for these lower down payment loans. Obviously, they're right. borrowing uh, more. I think what was the average down payment was like seven percent for the first time buyers, and so as compared to something like twenty percent, twenty one percent for repeat buyers. So you see the significant difference. Um, but you said about FHA loan, of course, FHA loan. Many of you are familiar with. They require a much smaller down payment and um, about twenty. Two twenty-three percent of the first-time buyers actually use an FHA loan. Twenty-four percent use an FHA loan as compared to repeat buyers. I mean, you can't blame them because you know, of course, they don't have the down payment. They don't have the down. What payment. option do you have, right? Yeah. Well, there are some other options. Of course, some other options maybe they have to sacrifice on the size of the home, or they have to live in an area that is maybe less desirable in a way. So yeah. we look at the size of home. There is a, a difference between repeat buyers and first-time buyers. It's about 300 to 400 square feet less than repeat buyers. Right, which is significant, right? I was actually surprised on how big of a compromise they were willing to make on size because when you're looking at the average square footage of these homes that they're buying, they weren't that big to begin with. And so four, 400 square feet is actually a, a pretty significant compromise that, that buyers are making. Yeah, and of course, they also uh, opt, uh, many of the many first-time buyers opted for a condo or townhomes, which typically they're a little bit less um, expensive. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing that was interesting out of the survey data was that there was more people taking on seconds to to make the purchase price. And and that, I think, is, is also suggestive of just how affordability is really eaten into, um, you know, folks ability to get into home ownership and 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 you're seeing more and more folks taking on seconds i think is is kind of indicative of just how tough that is on the demand side these days yeah of course it um there are more people taking on seconds um compared to say you know 2005 and 2006 we're not you know at that level but right. still you know we want to keep an eye on you know second home loans as well as um some of the more risky loans right now, I mean, competing with first-time buyers, there are always people competing with first-time buyers. Namely, you know, many of the investor buyers want to buy um, some of the lower-priced homes. And in the same survey, we realized that, you know, because home prices have gone up so much, 
the uh, people who are buying, investors who are buying for a vacation or buying for, um, you know, to, to rent it out or to flip, they actually has gone, have gone down. The share has gone down this year. Yeah. And that's that's interesting, too. I think I wonder how much of that uptick in the share of her uh, first time buyers is due to this decline in, you know, investor sales, which is artificially kind of boosting that share. Because keep in mind, the the pie this year is smaller. We talked about how right. sales are down below 400,000 and there's fewer investors. And so that's why I think when you see the first time buyer share increasing, a bit is is due to both of those factors, a smaller pie and, and fewer investors propping that up. But we don't actually have a bigger increase in the absolute number of first time buyers out there, which is why you haven't really seen big growth in things like the home ownership rate. Yeah, but and I also wonder whether it has anything to do with, you know, the uh, the midterm election, the proposition that yeah. we are facing right now. Of course, people are a little concerned about what's going to happen to rent control. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that a lot of this uptick in inventory and supply that we're seeing, not not the vast majority of it, but I think that um, investors are definitely playing a role in terms of getting rid of uh, some of these units and bringing them online. I think that when you look at the, the numbers for flipping in particular is suggestive of the fact that we're a at, at the kind of inflection point where people are um, doing more flipping. We were down at 20% of the investors were buying to flip mm -hmm. just a couple of years ago. And now it's 26% uh, versus kind of buy and hold for, for renting. And, and so I think that that's both part and parcel of this uptick in, in supply that we've seen where you've got folks getting ahead of the rent control issue potentially by getting rid of some of their rental units and also um, doing more flipping. Yeah. And of course, I we don't know, we don't have the crystal ball, but you know, maybe six months from now after, you know, all things are settled, maybe there might be a little bit more investors considering renting, but as of now, we don't know. Still, there are a lot of uncertainty out there regarding the rent control policies. So I think, uh, in, in you know, when we do it again, when we do the survey again next uh, next year, we'll we'll know you know what the uh, the mindset of the investors are. Yeah. So when we send out this survey to all the members next year, hopefully you guys will all fill that out and help us understand what's going on out there with your clients. Yeah, definitely. Now, before we kind of close it out, I want to wrap it up with a, a little mention of the sellers. We can't just talk about buyers and not mention about the sellers. Um, no, that was neat. There's some really interesting findings in there. Yeah, and we have talked about this before. One of the big things that I we normally look at is how long they actually stay at their house and um, – you know, and we compare that to historical figures. Now, in the past, in the long run average, it's always seven years, right? They stay at their home for seven years. Um, yep. it's a, it's, again, it increased again this year based on the survey. Uh, it's close to 12 years now, 11.5 years to be exact. And that's huge, right? We've been in the double digits, but never at 12. Um, it's been a, a trend that's been pretty much unstoppable in terms of an increase over the last five years. I know, and of course, I mean, of course, we we said it before. It has something to do with um, more people staying at their homes for a little bit longer because they're getting older, and that's based on the numbers. It's it's true that the silent generations stay at their home for a little longer. Um, they may not necessarily be uh, a fewer percentage of them actually plan on buying another property, but a lot of people are staying. Uh, a lot of the uh, older folks are staying a little longer. That could be stretching the the number of years uh, before selling a, 
to a higher number, but at the same time, I think you know other things like affordability, interest rates, those are other reasons that people are staying a little longer as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is unfortunately something that we're seeing all across the country too. It's a little bit more acute in California, but you know, you look uh, across the nation and you've got a lot of boomers who own a lot of housing who um, have a, a bigger appetite for staying in their homes much longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now having said that, of course, not all sellers are discouraged uh, in um not moving. I mean, we look at the numbers, 53% of them still show interest of buying another property. But right. the question is whether they want to buy a property in L uh, in uh, California or well, buying outside edge, of California. Right? Yeah. And those numbers are going up, right? 29, almost 30% said they were thinking about buying a home after they sold in another state, right? And this is, again, part of California's issue where we're going to have a, a deeper problem with our economy and not just our housing market if more and more folks continue to leave. We talked about more folks being fo forced out of their original counties to places like the Inland Empire, Stanislaus, San Joaquin, Sacramento area, um, but we're seeing more and more people actually being forced out of those areas into other states, and that's kind of the second half of the two-step, right, is all the folks from LA and Orange County push up prices in the Inland Empire and the folks who've you know been born and raised in the Inland Empire suddenly priced out of those markets and say you know hey forget it we're we're going to places like Texas, Nevada and Arizona. I went to a, a garage sale for my neighbor the other day and I just said hey what's what's going on are you uh, are you just cleaning out are you moving and he said no I'm moving to to Phoenix. He's like I'm I'm missing all my buddies from California who have already kind of jumped ship. And, and so I think this is kind of borne out by, by the survey data that you have here. Oh, your neighbor is cashing out. That's right. So here's the thing. So, I mean, I don't want to, you know, say that we have a lot of problem in the housing market, but we do have some problems in the housing market in the short term. We do have a demand issue like what we discussed just a few minutes ago, but in the long run, we also have some supply issue, um, because people are not listing their house in the market, but also uh, we also are, uh, are not building enough things that we have talked about before. So I think in the next few months or so, there will be some um, volatility in the market, whether it be sales, whether it be price. Uh, but I think, as, as I mentioned before, fundamentals are still good. I think we just have to weather Absolutely. it through. Um, yep. And, no, and I, I think that's important to stress because, you know, it's uh, a lot of reasons make this, time around a lot different than what we looked like in 2004, five, six, and the run up to the, the previous downturn. You know, we don't have all that risky mortgage finance out there and things like that. We do forecast the, the market to soften and we are seeing the shift out there and accounting for it, but um, the, the kind of strength is still there in the economy and barring some unforeseen economic crisis, those buyers I think who are expecting prices to drop 20 or 30% so they can get in and get a good deal might be a little bit disappointed. We do see price growth softening, but we still see low single digit prices over the course of the next year. Yeah, many many buyers are just holding on, uh, doing a wait and see strategies, but um, we just have to, as, as realtor, we just have to hold tight, you know, weather it out like, a, like Jordan said, and uh, I think we will see better days uh, in the upcoming year, maybe more towards, you know, second half of the year or so. We'll see. 
Um, but we will continue to research, do the research, and give you guys the most updated information and get you guys prepared uh, for um, you know the, uh, the the whatever it's going to come in the housing market. That's right. Yeah, and I think you know we're just trying to keep it really real with you guys about the challenges that are out there and the shift that we're seeing. But we also want to be you know real about the fact that it's not time to panic either, and that even when the market's softening, um, you know things are are not kind of poised for a big collapse. Absolutely. Well, um, just a uh, couple of things to wrap up before we wrap up the, uh, the webinar. We have a housing affordability index uh, being released today on Thursday, um, November 1st. So definitely check it out if you have a chance. And we'll probably will have in about 10 days or, or about two weeks or so, we'll have our October sales market update uh, release. And, Right after the release, we probably will do another update with the podcast. So definitely uh, check back uh, at, at the Housing Market, Market Podcast in a couple of weeks, and we'll give you another update. Yep, and all these uh, reports that we discussed here are up on the CAR website too, so check those out as well. And we'll see you next time. All right, have a good one. Bye-bye.